Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of Of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So we turn to our Bible reading, which was found in Luke chapter 2. We're still in the Christmas season. And if you remember, just before Christmas, we were heralded as we left the sanctuary with the words of the 12 days of Christmas. A new version, yes. But it reminded us that the Christmas season is for 12 days. And this is day number 10. So two days still to go. I do remember one line of that song. That was... Five extra pounds, yes? <laughs> yes, we all remember that, don't we? <laughs> Sadly, of course, it's true. 
I weighed myself on New Year's Day and there they were. Thankfully they're coming down again. I've got that sort of metabolism which can cope with this. I hope your five extra pounds soon are withered away. But yes, the Christmas season, the old Christmas season, lasted for 12 long days. 12 days of feasting. And there's much of the Christmas story that we skate over. We have a nativity scene there. We think about the shepherds coming to the manger. We think about the wise men visiting Jesus. But there are other things happening, and it's Luke who gives us quite a bit more about the Christmas story and about people that get overlooked in our rush to get to the manger. And he opens with that parallel miracle birth of the way in which Elizabeth, the relation of Mary, also is expecting a child. And how Zechariah, her husband, is struck down. And then, when the time comes, and they're in the temple, the naming ceremony for John, and Zechariah finds his voice again and says, yes, this son of mine will be called John. And he sings a great song. And then we have, of course, that's blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Some of us, some of you may know of it as the Benedictus. Certain church traditions sing that as a great psalm, a song of praise. Mary, of course, had her own song, often known as the Magnificat. My soul magnifies or glorifies the Lord. And perhaps we know it better in the New English Bible translation, tell out my soul, a modern and favorite hymn. And now we come to Simeon and his song, the Nunc Dimittis. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. What Luke's doing, you see, is emphasizing the continuity between the Old Testament with its psalms and its songs and its prophecies with the coming of Jesus and the New Testament. It's no break for Luke. It's one continuum. It's the same traditions. It's the same style of worship that is continuing. And that's why we find ourselves in the temple of God in Jerusalem. And there are two ceremonies. First of all, we read on the eighth day, verse 21, when it was the time to circumcise the child. That was traditionally the eighth day. Jesus was named. It's a naming day. And that was for the men. Men only. It's only eight days after the birth, after all. You can't expect the ladies to be fit and well to be able to take part in that service. But then, 40 days later, comes the purification. Verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. And so Mary is now ready to go. You know, the Jews abhorred blood. So if you were tainted with blood in any way whatsoever, you required purification. And so it was deemed that 40 days was a suitable time for a lady to become pure again after giving birth. And so they go into the temple for purification. But also, as a ceremony of dedication of the firstborn male, This goes right back to Exodus 12, when Moses commanded that the Jews, the Israelites, should dedicate their firstborn male son or one of their animals, but dedicate that 
to the service of the Lord. So this is what Mary and Joseph are doing. They're coming into the temple. They're poor people, so they can't afford a lamb. It's a couple of pigeons for sacrifice. And you can imagine them walking out of the court of the Gentiles, the large outer court, through the beautiful gate and into the court of the ladies. And that, of course, would be as far as Mary would be allowed to go. And then you can picture this little man scuttling up behind them. And Mary saying, Joseph, there's a man. Joseph, yes. He's looking at us. He's once, of course, it's Simeon. And somehow, miraculously, he knows this is what he's been waiting for. We assume he's an old man. Doesn't say directly. He just called one who was righteous and devout. Verse 25. Waiting, it says, for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, that's a reference back to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, some of you will know if you sing Messiah, those words, comfort my people. Yes. (laughs) Comfort ye, in the old translation. For the Lord has comforted his people, in the NIV. NIV, Isaiah 52, 9. Comforted, brought consolation. That is what Simeon was waiting for. For that prophecy to be fulfilled. You see, the Jews had come back. They had the land restored to them. Yes, but up to a point. It was always occupied territory. And even now, hundreds of years later, the occupying forces had changed Persians had become Greeks and the Greeks had become Romans, but the effect was the same. It wasn't their land. They were still waiting for a liberator. They were still waiting for someone. And Simeon sees the hope of the fulfillment of the prophecy in this little baby, tightly wrapped in his swaddling clothes, brought by Mary and Joseph into the temple. There they've come to sacrifice as the law required. And Simeon asks to hold the child. What trusting parents they are, aren't they? A stranger says, please, can I take the child? (laughs) And they willingly say yes. Of course you may take the child. And Simeon then now sings his song. He pronounced his a blessing. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's using Isaiah now, the prophet, Applying it to himself, he's now ready, he says, to die. His life fulfillment, his dream has come. Now send your servant on. Dismiss him. He's done all that he wants in life. He's seen the glory of the Lord there in this little child. Now I can die happy. And he sees and says, my eyes have seen your salvation. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. He'd seen the salvation of the Lord in this little baby. And then he goes on. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. This might be the heart of Judaism. This might be in Jerusalem and in the temple. The center of everything that's to be a Jew and separate from the other nations of the world. And yet he says this little baby will be a light to the Gentiles. Just as Isaiah had promised, and just as the Jews had conveniently forgotten, not surprising, of course, they were oppressed by the Gentiles. Everything they hated was represented by Rome, the Gentiles, the vile, unclean infidels. 
And yet Simeon can take that prophecy and say, yes, this is for the world. A revelation, yes, to the Gentiles, as well as being to the glory of Israel. Part of Judaism out into the world. From the obscurity of this young, poor couple, Simeon sees the glory of God is going to be working out. And so he goes on to say rather disturbing words about Jesus. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many. This is verse 34. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. He sees something, maybe not very clearly, but sees something of the sort of ministry that Jesus will be exercising. It won't be universally expected or embraced. There'll be division. Some will glory and exult in it. And some will be sunk to despair. Some will see this is great. And others, you say, will say this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And how true his words would prove to be. And then he looks at Mary and he says, your soul will be pierced. Wonderful prophecy, but surely in this context, it's a little bit too much information. <laughs> there are some things we'd rather not know about the future, aren't there? As we wait in the beginning of 2016, there are going to things happen this year that when we look back, just as we've looked back over the past year and think, well, I wouldn't want to have known about that before it happened. <laughs> Thank you very much. Live the day for the day. Jesus himself said something similar, didn't he? Prophecy is always a two-edged sword. It's great to be knowing if it's something wonderful. But do we really want to know if it's going to be a little less welcoming? So that's Simeon. Great words, great song, great revelation. And then along comes Anna. And as it were, seconds everything that Simeon has said and done. She's supporting him. No connection, I don't think. They just both happen to be there. In fact, Maybe Anna would be quite embarrassed if you could. Oh, are you with him? And she, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Happened to me just before Christmas. I was staying in this hotel. And because it was Christmas, the normal dining room was out of action because they were all prepared for Christmas lunch. And it shoots us off to the ballroom, which was at the other end of the hotel. And there was this lady standing there looking lost, you see. And I said... She said, I'm looking, where's breakfast served? I said, I think it's down here. So we, of course, walked down together and to the dining room. She booked herself in. And then the waiter said, oh, you're on your own. Oh, yes, I, I, I'm not with him. <laughs> but a mistake easily made. And I think Simeon and Anna, no doubt, would have said the same. No, 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 not with him. But they have so much in common, don't they? Both elderly, both, we know how old looks no, uh, not shy to give the ladies age, 84, which must, of course, have been in those days a great age. It's old enough today. So, we have these two people in the temple. Plenty to get our teeth into, isn't there? First of all, and I can't miss this point, the role of the elderly. <laughs> As one who reluctantly must include himself on that side of the divide, <laughs> let's hear it for the old people. Here are two old people fulfilling their God-given mission in this wonderful way. 
And we owe these, yes, we still have much to offer from our experience of life, from our time of devotion down through the years. Maybe God-given insights that we've had that we still store and can bring back to bear upon particular problems. And maybe, too, because we have a little bit of space in our life. I've written down here, no work to do, but that's, that's, that's not right. We have plenty of work to do. It's just we don't get paid to do it. And, of course, we can choose if we want, if the day is not so promising, to say, yes, well, we'll have an extra hour in bed, and then we'll face the day. We're not driven in the same way as you are when you're in gainful employment. No children, perhaps, to care for, and so So we've got a bit of space. And certainly Simeon and Anna had space in their lives, and they used it well. Simeon, not one of the temple hierarchy, not a priest, as far as we know, not a Pharisee, just an ordinary man who chose to be in the temple, but certainly a man of God. And Anna, called a prophetess, recognized as one who God used in a miraculous way. And strictly speaking, you read, she's of the tribe of Asher, so she's not strictly speaking a Jew. Is one of the ten so-called lost tribes. Well, they weren't lost, of course. They just got obscured. Some became Samaritans, the hated Samaritans, because they worshipped away from the temple. But there must have been others like Anna, who accepted that the temple was the right place to worship. And so were welcomed, certainly in this age. You wonder 30 years down the line, when Jesus was having his contretemps with the temple authorities that the likes of Anna would be quite so welcome. They seem to have tightened up and become far more restrictive. But there she's obviously welcomed and a lay woman in the house of God serving our Lord. And so Luke reminds us not only of the universality of God's mission, and the destiny of Jesus, but also the role of both men and ladies in the fulfillment of God's promise. And right at the beginning, here's Anna playing a vital role in that mission. And so here we are, the beginning of a new year. Used to be a favorite picture for cartoonists of seeing the old year as an old man and the new year as a young child young child taking over with all the potential that youth has the new year time for new starts fresh hopes for fulfilling those dreams but younger older like we as a community here in abc are in this together last year we saw significant change within our fellowship we've welcomed many of you in formally and informally to be part of us here And we rejoice in what has happened. And so we look with anticipation for the way in which the Holy Spirit's going to work with us in 2016. We, like Simeon, look to Jesus, the Christ child. We look to Jesus as a baby, yes. And much of the world can look to Jesus as a baby and be content. I think that's why Christmas is so popular still with people who wouldn't give him much time over the rest of the year. But with a baby, well, you know where you are, don't you? They're predictable. If simple needs, just keep them fed and clean and they'll be reasonably happy. But 
before very long, of course, the baby becomes a toddler and speaks, and you suddenly realize you've got a personality there with a mind of their own. <laughs> and it's less easy to deal with someone like that. And then as a child grows, becomes that awkward teenager, and then sets off in the world and can leave parents behind. The parents say, what's our role in this now? They're very much the individual. And we see that conflict within the life of Jesus, don't we? That he was no longer being controlled. He built himself controlled, yes, by the Holy Spirit, but not by his family. He was his own man. And I think that's why people find it hard to relate sometimes to Jesus. Because he's not the sort that can be controlled. We can't make it in our image. He wants to make us in his. And so Simeon helps us to look forward to that adult with its highs and its lows, with the one who will pierce his mother's soul. And so we come at the beginning of this new year to worship Almighty God in the name of that Jesus, the one who lived and died and rose again for you and for me. We come in the context of a couple who've come into the house of God for dedication. Let's make this our first service of the year, a time when we rededicate ourselves in the service of our Lord and say, yes, we will build on what happened last year and we will make this year an even better one, given the grace of the Holy Spirit working through us to guide and to strengthen and to equip us in this journey together. May God be with us at the beginning and through this new year for the sake of our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.